Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And welcome to another edition of the Curzon Film Podcast. This week we're talking about Greta Gerwig's film Lady Bird. I'm Jake Cunningham, and joining me this week on a Valentine's Day <laughs> recording uh, in a double date situation. It's a bit is, strange, isn't it? It is, yeah. <laughs> so I've brought my girlfriend along, Louisa Maycock, uh, the operations manager and co director of Girls on Tops, which is a female celebration of t shirts in films. Uh, how you doing, Louis? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it'd be even weirder if there was another couple in the room that we also brought on Valentine's <laughs> Day. Um, Which we didn't do on purpose, no. did we? Um, but we're very excited to welcome uh, Harriet Hall, journalist, head of digital features at Silas, and author of She, which is published on the 8th of March with Headline Home. Harriet, how are you doing? Very well, enjoying this double date a lot already. Yeah. <laughs> Feels intimate, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's very, very intimate. Extremely <laughs> intimate. I love being in an intimate setting with my regular collaborator, Ryan Hewitt. Hello, Jake. Hello. 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 Our dates. We're the real date dates. going on, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> so we're very excited to talk about Lady Bird this week, a film which I imagine all of us have been extremely excited about for probably about a year now. Um, yeah. uh, Harriet, do you want to tell us what this film's about? Yeah, this film is um, a semi-autobiographical story of a teenage girl growing up in Sacramento in California in 2002. Um, it's directed by Greta Gerwig, um, starring Saoirse Ronan. Um, and it's it's kind of just a coming-of-age story, really. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, and it definitely takes a unique angle uh, on the coming-of-age story, something which I'll hopefully be addressing in our interview with Greta Gerwig, Ooh. which How at the time of recording has not happened yet. <laughs> but uh, hopefully we get onto that subject. And... Uh, just to quickly sum up the opinion, we all like this film. Yes. We all Loved like this it. film a yeah. lot. And yeah. it actually had a 100% uh, rating on Rotten Tomatoes, so a lot of other people loved it as well. Yeah. yeah. It's um, a special one, isn't it? Yes, there was a brief period of time where this was the best-reviewed film of all time uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, taking over from Toy Story 2, having wow. 164 reviews, all positive, no bad ones. Since then, though... My boy Paddington's come in. <laughs> Paddington too. <laughs> did Paddington. you did you orchestrate this yourself? <laughs> yeah. From some sort of evil this is lair. What you're doing, yeah. isn't it, Jake? Uh, I'm in, I'm very happy to see Paddington Two <laughs> and Lady Bird at the top of technically the best real films of all time. I mean, you can't argue that. <laughs> Imagine if you felt really, really, really bad one day and you just sat down and you watched Paddington Two and Lady Bird back to back. You just feel it's the like remedy, faith has it? been completely restored in all of humanity. <laughs> A lot of crying. So much, oh, yeah. Yeah. so much crying. <laughs> <laughs> right, so uh, Harry, it's not a coincidence that we've got you here today. So I wanted just to ask you a bit about your book. And there's, I know there's particular contents in there that I think tie into a lot of the conversation about Ladybird and in particular its director. Yeah, so the book is a celebration of 100 um, what we're calling renegade women from history who have sort of stuck it to the status quo um, and done things that at the time were kind of not considered acceptable for women to do. Um, and among them, I've got... Alice Guy Blaché, who's um, considered to be the first female director. She's pretty amazing. Possibly the first director, period. Wow. And uh, so there's, you've got other people in the book, like Hedy Lamarr, who's got her own film coming out. No coincidence, a fascinating story. Do you want to just tell us a bit about her? Yeah, so Hedy Lamarr Bombshell um, is out with uh, Dogwoof uh, later this year, I think uh, next month. And um, she's this amazing woman. She was a considered the most beautiful woman in the world at one time, um, was a Hollywood actress. And actually, if I can say um, on this podcast, um, actually in 1933 stimulated the first ever on-screen orgasm. Um, wow. So, big claim. But what she's really known for... <laughs> 
And what makes her really amazing is that she actually invented the technology that underpins Wi-Fi um, in her spare time. She didn't really love Hollywood. She felt it was kind of shallow and it wasn't for her. So she invented this technology that was... Um, supposed to be uh, supporting the allies in the war um, and it was supposed to kind of intersect German communications and it was laid dormant for years after she died she got no money for it but actually invented Wi-Fi so she's pretty incredible and I don't think anybody knows that about her people probably think we all need to invented know that about Wi-Fi. Yeah. yeah so she's incredible and um, Bombshell's pretty amazing documentary I think it's out on International Women's Day or perhaps the next day on the 9th. Yeah, they're holding an yeah. event on International Women's Day and then, yeah, I think it's on the, on the 9th, yeah. Yeah, and so that's like looking at the, you're looking at early 20th century uh, women in film in that respect and we're going forward a, like best part of 100 years and we're hitting a point where there's actually a conversation that, hey, women can direct films and maybe <laughs> yeah. we should award them for it and this film... Go Lady figure! Burns, yeah, <laughs> only the uh, fifth time that a woman has been nominated for Best Director at the Oscars. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy and I think something like 7 or 8% of the top 100 grossing films last year were directed by women which is such a minute um, number and yeah, considering that we're talking about Alice Glebache who was the first woman to kind of create a narrative in her films and, and created over a thousand films and yet I bet hardly anybody knows her name so hopefully she got Greta a little Gerwig will change change the game a little bit of acknowledgement after her death didn't she at alice key blushé with like martin scorsese mm -hmm. acknowledged yeah. her in um he awarded her the america's guild of how do we say it <laughs> director's guild of america director's award. guild of america yeah. award yeah and alfred hitchcock said she was a big inspiration yeah so she, a lot of her work she had basically invented the she kind of started and, and pioneered all these film techniques that um are now kind of standard in cinema so um double exposure and fade outs um she experimented with hand coloring um audio audio recordings and she actually used extras which you know is quite standard now obviously but mm -hmm. at the time was quite yeah. a wild thing to do and what's really interesting about her is in 1912 she produced and directed the first film with an all-black cast um and it wasn't at all stereotyped it was no. just a film about a middle-class um black family and yeah and now However, you know, a over a hundred years later, we're talking about things like Black Panther being massive and kind yeah. of monumental yeah. change in terms of people of color in cinema. So, well, it's uh, like even a kind of low-key family drama with a black cast now would be considered to be a progressive thing to <laughs> yeah. be coming yeah. out of the film exactly. industry to get a yeah, wide yeah. release. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, oh. and as you said about uh, Greta, is now only the fifth female director to be nominated for a best direct, but to be nominated for best director, and Jordan Peele's only the fifth personal colour to be nominated mm. for best director as well yeah so yeah a hundred years after tried to do what yeah, the right pioneered yeah. it really yeah. and mm. and and did what what men weren't doing and now women have been sort because women have always out. been doing these things haven't they mm. yeah so i feel like the one of the really interesting things um when i was researching the book we already know that women have sort of been written out of history but the extent to which they have been i think mm -hmm. when you're looking at a hundred women all at once and you suddenly realize how extreme it was you know whether it was their husband taking their ideas or their kind of research partner, there was always somebody who wiped them off the off the history book. So, well, it's yeah. always that stupid saying that's like behind a great man is a great woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you um, mentioned quickly there uh, Black Panther, which I saw last night, and oh, I just right. wanted to bring up uh, that Rachel Morrison, who's the cinematographer on that, and cinematography, hundred percent a boys' club. Rachel Morrison is the first woman to be nominated for a cinematography oscar Mad. and like first that, the ever. very first yeah. this year 2018 yeah, yeah. and she <laughs> so she's just shot black panther which is gonna uh, be seen by a humongous amount mm -hmm. of people but she also shot mudbound which i'm sure found a big audience on netflix last mm -hmm. year and that's what she's nominated for but a double whammy from her and on to new heights i'm sure it's it's exciting. Exciting. Yeah. i haven't seen it yet either uh, i'm I really excited there are other cinema chains available. <laughs> I, I did see it at another one with a, so, a sold-out crowd. And it, <laughs> it was brilliant opening that Black Panther. Couldn't recommend it enough. But let, let's move on to Lady Bird. We've, we've all confirmed our love for this film, mm -hmm. um, but it might be time to just quickly speak to the director all about it, and then we can give you our unfiltered thoughts. So from me, over to me with Greta Gerwig. We are extremely excited to welcome Greta Goeg onto the Curzon Film Podcast. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you for being here. Well, I, I want to talk about, obviously, I want to talk about Ladybird, surprisingly. Oh, good. <laughs> me too. <laughs> um, so uh, our titular Ladybird goes to a Catholic school, which mm. is something that I did. And the extent of my rebellion 
at Catholic school was getting my ear pierced on the last day of term. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, that is. <laughs> pretty, pretty big rebellion. Pretty out there. there. Um, and so what I loved watching this film was mm. kind of being able to see the rebellion kind of that I wish I had done and things that I wish I'd done when I was at school. Uh, was there something for that for you to go back oh, and yeah. rethink things that you wish you had done at school? Yeah, I was not rebellious at school. I was, um, I was kind of a rule follower. I think in some ways somebody described to me, a friend of mine was said, is Ladybird who you wished you'd been? And I was like, definitely. Like it was sort of like wish, yeah, wish fulfillment in a way because I wasn't, I never talked back. I didn't get out of line. Um, I would think those things and then I wouldn't do them. Um, so in in a way, even though Lady Bird's a flawed character, she's kind of a heroine for me. And um, I think she's, she's quite brave. And even though she's searching for her identity and trying on new identities, she's always irrepressibly herself. Mm. What? actually I found quite interesting was this school was not kind of a, a damning representation of a Catholic education either which is something that I think really gets caricatured yeah well I, I had a very I mean certainly I feel like in films making fun of Catholic school has been covered um, mm. and I wanted to treat it with um, love and and care and I actually I, I had the privilege of knowing a lot of really wonderful priests and nuns while I was at Catholic school, really thoughtful, ethical people who saw their students and weren't trying to change them, just trying to help them to get where they were going. And I wanted um, that kind of care and, and love to, to be present in the characters. And I had I was aided by such fabulous actors um, uh, Lois Smith, Stephen McKinley Henderson, and, and Bob Stevenson, who who made their their characters so specific and funny and sweet and um, you know th they didn't they never they never became a caricature. Mm. I think often with especially with like a priest's outfit or a nun's outfit, that in movies sometimes they can just be the habit or be the 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 costume really and I wanted it to be like that's just what they're wearing that's not who they are yeah I, I think that's um a really key point that's in the in the film as a coming-of-age film that I don't often see is that this really pinpoints the moment in Ladybird's life where she comes to realize that adults are people they are yep. not just her parents or they are not just an institution that's right yeah that's um I think it's probably a necessity of youth is that you're a bit narcissistic and myopic, that you have trouble seeing beyond yourself. You see everyone as simply as the role that they serve in your life. Um, and I don't judge that. I think that's probably part of growing up. Um, but I think that there, are, in some ways, I, I think that this film is about Lady Bird seeing uh, her parents and her teachers mm. and even her friends as being separate from her mm. <laughs> not just being refractions of her own um, personality or her own journey but that in the middle of their own and I think some of the, the moments I like most are the moments when she acknowledges that and you know when uh, her boyfriend Danny shows up and they he cries and she looks at him and you suddenly see she's seeing him for the first yeah. time that up until then she'd simply seen him as um what he could be for her and then all of a sudden she looks at him and said oh no you're in your own thing mm. and um it's certainly for parents and 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 teachers and principals that that you you stop relating that to them as if they're just a hindrance or there to hinder or help you but that they're in their own stories mm. um i just want to ask you about the the look of the film because a few years ago i was actually lucky enough to have a really long skype chat with sam levy and oh yeah it was really nice and uh so he obviously shot mistress america and francis Har, and mm. he's very much shot a lot of new york yeah and you've worked with him on those films and i wanted to ask you about working with him and for finding an identity for Sacramento compared to the New York films that you've made with him? Well, it's funny. I mean, I, I adore Sam Levy. He's um, one of my very good friends and also just he's an artist. He's a real artist. And 
he um he and i when we made francis ha which noah baumbach we wrote it together and he directed we all went to sacramento and we shot a very small part of the film that took place in sacramento and i remembered when we were there sam lovey said i love it here i would love to shoot a whole feature here and i kind of put that in the back of my mind but i i thought i would like to make a whole feature here and then um you know, obviously years later I had the script for Lady Bird and I, he was one of the very first people I brought on to work on it. I think he was the first person before Sersha, before I even had a producer. Um, I went to him and said, here's this script. Do do you want to do it with me? And, um, uh, he said, he said, yes. And, um, we spent a lot of time setting the look of the film. I mean, it was very important to me that it not look adorned or um, overly, overly beautified because I, I wanted it to look beautiful because it was honest. I wanted it to feel like there was a frankness to the images, I, but I never wanted it to feel, I never wanted it to be like handheld or roughshod. I wanted it to be very composed and very deliberate, um, but I didn't, but I, but I also wanted it to have a real simplicity at its heart. And you know, we shot listed the whole film a couple of times through and with storyboards and then everything, which I don't even know that we looked at on set. It was just a way for us to develop a shared visual language. And we looked at movies, we looked at a lot of paintings for color palettes, um, which we then shared with the design team. Our post-production colorist, Alex Bickle, uh, production design Chris Jones and costume designer April Napier. A lot of there's painter Northern California painters um, Gregory Condos and Wayne Tebode who they just capture this color of Northern California. This light. Um, it's a lot of dense masculine pastels like blues and greens and yellows and pinks and um, looking for those colors over and over again and uh, and. Yeah, it was, you know, I, 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 Sam was like my, my other half when we were making it. And I just, um, I was so grateful that I was able to work with someone who I just ex- really explored this mm. with. Mm. And, um, so last question, really, uh, I'm a big crier in films mm. and, uh, a lot of the time that can be after, after a lot of build up, and it might even some say be manipulated for me to do that. Um, but I had the odd experience in this where I could pinpoint a single cut mm. that actually, that just triggered me. And that was the uh, shot in near the end of the film where Ladybird is driving and it cuts to her mum in the same place on the same, in yeah. the same car. And it really just got to me, that single moment. Um, I wonder if you could tell me what that moment means to you. Yeah, well, we had, um, thank you. That moment makes me cry too, yeah. I have to say. <laughs> um, there. Well, we'd planned the way I wanted to do that. I had them do this drive. Um, we kept, I, I know because in the schedule, we kept calling it the dream drive because we were shooting it with what Sam and I called the dream lens. Um, and then... I wanted them to do exactly the same action. Um, They followed the exact same path and I wanted them to sort of turn their heads at the same time and look forward at the same time so that I would have this ability to to link the two of them. And um, I remember we'd planned that, but when Nick, I I think I went out to um, go get a coffee and I came back and Nick was like, look at this. And he put it, my editor, and he put it up, and he, I, and it made me cry. It was one of those things that instantly made me cry, and I was like, well, that's our match. Yeah. That's our match. I think it's, you know, to me, the reason Lady Bird and Marion fight so much is because they're so similar. Um, they're really, you know, flip sides of the same coin, and and that moment where you just see, like, they're the same. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very it's very moving. Um, it, it, it's, 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 yeah, it's it's one of those mysterious <laughs> mysterious things. But yeah, it, I I, lo- I like movies in some ways where you're crying and you kind of know why, but you also don't really know why. Why does a match cut between yeah. a mother and a daughter make you cry? 
I don't know, but I, I find when that happens, it's when it feels truly uncontrollable. Mm. And you're like, why can't it? I can't that, that stop. Definitely I can't <laughs> stop. <laughs> um, and I, I like that kind of crying. So I'm glad I'm glad it gotcha. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks for making me cry. <laughs> okay, no All problem. Right, Fritz Gilly, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you Cheers. for having me. So there we are. Hopefully you could hear the tremble in my voice as I uh, <laughs> had to kind of deal with my own nerves on that. You're going to smash it. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'm sure you have smashed it. Yeah. Um, right, so let's uh, let's talk about this as a coming of age film, which is yeah. um, I think it takes a really different angle on that and kind of takes in tropes of the teen movie as well mm-hmm. and really changes those up. But it still it doesn't feel like aggressively trying to change those things. Yeah. It feels a lot more truthful. Do we think? My main thing is how Saoirse Ronan is just per- she so perfectly conveys just like the hot-headedness of a teenage girl, which I don't think we've really seen in the same no. sort of way. I think one thing that is really important to say about the film is that <clears throat> it's having all these amazing reviews and people are kind of talking about it as if it's this earth-shattering thing, but actually yeah. it's this quite quiet film that's very intimate and it does tell this story of, of, of adolescence that we haven't really seen in a realistic way. I mean, we think of Heathers and Mean Girls and yeah. Clueless, but actually the reality is is this film, Teenage is is sort of is quite quiet and nothing really happens but it's so important to us at that time it's just full of feelings yeah. i think just like yeah. feelings all the time all the so feelings. many feelings i think the dialogue's a really interesting thing to talk about actually uh, because uh, greta gerwig is with noah Baumbach, and his dialogue to me is almost like a new york indie aaron sorkin in that everything's a bit of a zinger yeah everyone everyone's a poet and even films like francis r and mistress america which are super witty and super sharp and everyone's on it all the time which greta goig is a co-writer on all those things and so i felt like going into ladybird everyone's going to be a total zinger all the time and this is not that film and i'm really glad that it doesn't have that bomb back influence and to see her by herself and what she would make because interestingly he apparently um, was interested in directing this script. Oh, right. Oh, wow. and, and I feel like his would have been a lot more punchier and a lot zippier. And this is far more relaxed and it but has that are, feeling of memory. There are it. definitely still those moments, but I think the dialogue in this one, there are so many moments that are so profound, but what's most important is that the characters don't know that they're being profound and they they stumble upon it's more clumsy, isn't it? It's more clumsy. It's not these perfectly crafted sentences. like. And they're say. usually said quite quietly. Yeah. One of the things that Ryan said after we went to see the film as a couple, of course, <laughs> that's what we do all the time. Um, actually, we do. Um, is that uh, I was saying, you know, I was disappointed that she, to not see her in it because I love Greta so much and slight obsessive. And then you said something about the script and how you could feel her almost. Well, I think, yeah, I think... Probably because throughout her career, she's either been on the screen mm-hmm. or she's been hef- heavily involved in the writing of her own characters. And she's so enigmatic she on screen. Is. She has such a distinct and potent voice that it, um, it reminds me of when you see a Tarantino film and you can just hear him saying every mm. single line of every character. You can hear it in a Tarantino like, mm-hmm. voice on a, on a Jay Leno interview or something. And the same with like, Baby Driver last year. It was so much Edgar Wright that I could just hear Simon Pegg delivering mm. every line. And in Lady Bird, it's Greta Gerwig. Is, is she's there in everything in this kind of court between this in this place between extreme earnestness and complete sarcasm. And I don't know if I trust mm. you, this character. Yeah. But I think they're a really good-hearted person. Mm. But I just you know that kind of middle ground between the two that is Greta Gerwig. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. 
That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Yeah. I think it'd be interesting to talk about this as a director's film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a bit of talk on Twitter about this, about people saying, why is she nominated for a Best Director? And the idea that traditionally a director will be rewarded for technical craft. Mm-hmm. Like, let's look at the favourite for this year is Guillermo del Toro and The Shape of Water, which is a beautifully crafted film. And you're looking at the set design and the kind of combination of every element. And it's some, it's quite a fantastical film and he's a fantastical director. And you can see why people associate that with directing because it's there in front of you. And yeah. like the things that are different from our reality are right there to be explained. But this is, so people have said, well, why is this being talked about for best director? I wanted to get what you yeah. think the direction of Greta Gerwig might be. Yeah, because there was that really interesting uh, Twitter thread about the whole conversation and people had said that Catherine Bigelow had won because she sort of directed like a man in this loud way. Whereas um, with this film, it's really about the kind of nuances of character and, you know, the the experience of, of, of the young young female, really. And, and, and that is so intimate, the way that she directs, that there's something to be said for that, the sort of quiet approach. But I think it's it's so interesting that it's all about... I mean, no, it's not this big, flashy, massively high-budget mm. blockbuster, although hopefully it is, um, <laughs> in a different way. Needed but, more explosions. Yeah, <laughs> a few more explosions, <laughs> yeah. But um, it's how she lets things just be but manages to capture those things without it feeling intrusive and I actually don't feel like Greta Gerwig as a director and her ego is present at all in each shot like it can be in Del Toro's films mm. I don't know if oh yeah you 100% you mean yeah. visually yeah. visually yeah. Yeah. and she doesn't pull out a bag of tricks no, no. At all. and I think it's a lot to do with ego and I feel like I'd I'd much rather be on her set than a lot of other people's set no, it's interesting you mentioned that idea of finding the identity in the film because you were saying that there's been a lot of chat from her about having to say that this is not about her and rather than this being a biopic, this is kind of a, almost a dream. I mean, what, it's it's mm. rooted in personal experience, but I feel like this, especially for a female-made film, that the fact that it's comes from personal experience somehow is a way of dismissing the sure. artistic craft and how creative someone can be. Yeah, you know, you lived it, so you didn't kind of invent it. You didn't so you imagine can't, yeah. it. Yeah. So, oh, it's just a domestic story of a, a girl growing up. Whereas if you look at something like 20th Century Women, which Greta was also in, but directed by Mike Mills. It was about his childhood. It was about his childhood. And no one really kept bringing up, oh, so this is, you know, are you... Are you this guy? The way that everyone always says to Greta, oh, so are you Ladybird? Yeah, well, that's how you did it. You just rewrote your own story. Yeah, so it's because yeah. it's like, it makes it seem like the storytelling is, you know, cheaper somehow or easier when really I think it's the complete opposite. And it's not like we're trying to, she's trying to mine her life for therapy or anything. No. I think ultimately her goal is to go out there. And what I think is really brilliant about this film is that there are going to be teenagers watching this who are going to find things that they've never seen on screen yeah. and feel okay about, which is what I love about it. Yeah, one of the things I really liked about the kind of portrayal of, of teenage life is that you're kind of coming to terms with the reality of what you're worth. And Lady Bird is really, um, she has these kind of lofty ideas above her station about yeah. which college she's going to go to. And she's she says this line at one point, you know, her mum says how expensive it is to bring her up and she says, give me a number and when I earn loads of money, I'll pay you back. You know, we all thought like that, at least I did. You know, why am I not editor of Vogue already at 12, you know? And so I love that. I think it's really realistic and it's kind of very knowing. And so hopefully teenagers watching it as well as us looking back will think, oh, okay, that's me. Maybe I'll, maybe that's okay. Because she always, Ladybird follows her desires in a way that I think is really quite groundbreaking to see. For these teen movies where there's been a female character, they've always existed probably because of men mm-hmm. and because of a boy they fancy. And also ov- also the the fact that when parents are in teen movies, they're always um, so two-dimensional and then they're just there. Almost yeah. as an antagonist yeah. to the character. Yeah. Whereas there's this kind of mother-daughter relationship bookends the whole film and that's the thing that people have come out of it most talking about is the relationship with her mother and that kind of fraught 
love that they have but they're just not understanding each other the mother's yeah. always worried about the finances and she's very pragmatic and ladybird's very creative and and she just they don't get each other and then without spoiling but anything, Metcalf you kind of see is, a development yeah, yeah. laurie yeah. metcalf is just incredible and i think i i heard her like a soundbite from an interview where she said that usually parents in teen movies are gray whereas greta paints in big bold colors mm-hmm. which i thought was such a nice way to sum it up yeah um let's let's go through that cast then so um we've really focused on ladybird um played by Saoirse Ronan already but she is fantastic um she's such a a punchy character that you totally root for um even when she's making a terrible decision because you can so much see yourself in it you almost are quite happy to just let her go along with it just so you can remember that feeling too yeah yeah, yeah. Um, go ahead and make your mistakes yeah from them yeah yeah because she's so hungry for experiences which i think is such it's the way you should be at 17 um and so and the main supporting character is uh laurie mackelf who plays marion mcpherson uh ladybird's mum and she has been getting the rewards that she deserves for this performance because it is absolutely fantastic yeah, it's, it's it's like you were saying, um, Louise, about the kind of middle-aged woman. That's the thing that we don't see in films and we don't yeah. see an understanding of it. We see this kind of menopausal mess who who's wondering why <laughs> people aren't looking at her anymore. You know, everyone talks about the kind of sexual elements of the menopause. Why don't people fancy you? But or, she, or she's like the cougar. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, or, you know, yeah, exactly. But in this film, she's a really kind of in-depth character. You can see all her layers and and, and this... You know, one of the themes in the film that I was really interested in was the theme of class and kind yeah. of the the they are in this kind of lower middle class setting where the mum is a psychiatric nurse and and um, Ladybird has all these rich friends and doesn't understand why she's not rich and she's kind of ashamed of it. So you really see the depth of the mum's character being quite hurt by that, which is and that comes out as anger. Mm. Yeah, wanting yeah. better things for her daughter, but also struggling with being able to have them and, and kind of the, the, that change in class because Ladybird's sort of setting her being set up to mm. leap a class divide or go to upper middle class maybe mm. yeah. and it's a really uncomfortable thing to change and the mum's almost kind of bitter about it yeah. you know she's got this chip on her shoulder and you totally see it from both sides yeah the kind of juvenile not understanding and and the mother just kind of working double shifts the yeah. dad's unemployed and it's really interesting you really get a view of the parents and what I like is you really you sense that Ladybird is definitely like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree because there's that beautiful scene right at the beginning in the hotel where the camera is behind them and they've got the same short hair and they're sitting next to each other and you just see their their sort of silhouette and they're like sort of mirroring images yeah I totally yeah. didn't think which is that. something that goes all the way through the film yeah. and that's why they are able to throw such power at each other with the arguments because they're the same people and you yeah. are most horrible to the people that you love <laughs> the most and who are closest that won't just and don't leave yeah yeah um i think the reason that we've got these such well-rounded characters in the parents is for me i might have touched on this on the interview already is that what this pinpoints that a lot of teen or coming of age films don't is that that moment in your life completely coincides with the moment that you see your parents as people yeah who are not parents or not just your parents and i think you're looking at oh, the dad has mental health trouble. Yeah. And it's like she wouldn't have got that before. And it's on that journey of this film and understanding finance and <laughs> understanding things like class and understanding her parents in the context of the outside world, not just the home that she's in. Yeah, And I really love seeing that because mm-hmm. for me, I, I know I had that experience. Yeah. One of the other themes I was really interested in the film was this theme of kind of nostalgia. And this is something that comes up at work all the time and we're thinking of what people are talking about that's trending or, you know, people will kind of dish out their old Sylvanian families and find they're (laughs) worth millions and, you know, everyone's really excited about the Sylvanians. (laughs) And the film was really nostalgic and it was almost like it was nostalgic to the George W. Bush era, which, you know, heaven forbid we ever thought we would feel nostalgic Mm. towards that, knowing that Trump was coming. But also in terms of the kind of sartorial elements, the clothes that she's wearing, mm-hmm. we all think, you know, the cast that she has on for the film on her arm, uh, the music. And, and what she writes set. what she writes on the cast. Yeah, writes on the cast. Yeah, like, F-U on the cast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, there's the kind of, yeah, Alanis Morissette, Justin Timberlake. And it's weird because I feel like we've 
we've come through full cycle. So some of the clothes that she was wearing were actually quite cool now. Um, <laughs> yeah. It wasn't like... Whoa, it was that 90s, end of the 90s, sort of into yeah. the 2000s. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I like that theme of nostalgia because it was almost like Greta was nostalgic for her youth while also portraying, you know, the youth of many other women that weren't her and kind of clothed. And it was it's weird looking back when she's sort of watching the Iraq war kind of hum on in the background lying on her belly in the tv room and yeah and you think actually is it worse now yeah. <laughs> in america it's funny we talked about this with like richard link later yeah, films, just, yeah the way he treats what we feel is the recent past mm. as though it is over the same weight of history as as anything like decades and decades mm-hmm. ago and it's and it's really st- like strange experience to hear those songs like justin timberlake songs mm. in a film and to think and to feel nostalgic about something that I'm like, it might still be on my I- iPhone. I, I might still have the Justified still album to ready on I shuffle. I listen to There's it, yeah. Her and her friend, I can't remember what it is, they listen to it over and over again. Crash into me. It. Right, yeah. <laughs> 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 Which I think was came out about a couple of years before 2002. And so they're already sort of catching on to songs mm-hmm. that, you know, it's like that age where you're not on the pulse and so you suddenly hear a song that's been out for ages and you become obsessive and, and I like that side of it, eating the sort of, what are they eating? The, the Communion yeah. wafers. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, I think now might be a good point to dip into the supporting cast. Uh, Louis, um, this might be an understatement, you're a fan of Timothy Chalamet. Don't, no, don't, <laughs> don't sort of make this seem like a weird thing. <laughs> I admire him. I think he is very beautiful in body and soul. <laughs> I think he's amazing i think yeah got nice hair let's yeah. move on well uh, i think in this um i don't know about maybe this is more for you and me brian uh Ka- kyle is very much the cool dude that you want to be yeah and yeah. It's, totally not like there is a bit in this where they go to a party and kyle who is the love interest of ladybird <laughs> is outside by the swimming pool uh smoking rollies and reading a book he only rolls engaging. his own cigarettes yeah because he can't, he doesn't like money. I can see <laughs> yeah, Ryan yeah. being this chap when he was a teenager. I think you even said that to me when we were watching the film. Like, oh, that's so you. I've definitely, I've definitely <laughs> met people in various creative writing classes who are yeah. Kyle. Carry themselves with that kind of level of pretension. And they never seem to wear socks. Yeah. And they always look hungover and it's like, you know. Grease, fresh grease in the hair. Yeah. 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 But he's he's hella tight. He is. He's extremely hella tight. <laughs> And what is nice about Kyle is that we don't hate him. No. And I think we had, like, as much as Lady Bird's decisions are funny to us because a lot of them are great, but a lot of them are terrible. Like, we had the same thing with Kyle that he's trying really hard and he's putting on this face of being super cool. And yeah. we know that it's yeah, not we true. Can see through it. Yeah, yeah. But it's she's kind of celebrating these identities that teenagers put themselves through because they're not sure of really who they are yeah. at this point. And I think that's very true of uh, of Lady Bird, of Lucas Hedges' Danny in particular, who really does put on a, a different identity. Yeah. Um, and then Timothy Chalamet's Kyle. Um, and then really the kind of true line through it is Beanie Feldstein as uh, Julianne quotes Julie. It doesn't need to be in quote. It's not the same. And she's she's kind of the unsung hero of this mm-hmm. piece, I think. She is. She is so funny. Her comedic timing and delivery is always perfectly on point. She is an absolute delight to watch. She's heaven, and also the the way that they show female friendship is is so true to life. This this kind of almost sisterly bond and then suddenly wanting to hang out with the cool kids and abandoning it entirely before <laughs> realising that actually this is who you are, you're not that person. And um, actually the, the, some of the female relationships in your life, they're the great love stories. Mm. And, you know, she yeah. goes after these boyfriends, but they're something that's so great is she doesn't end up with the boy. Like, that's not the end yeah. point, like so many other teen movies. When really she goes back to um, Julie because... I mean, She's they the love one. each other, yeah. They're in love, really, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's it's a super romantic film for a lot of people yeah. as well. It's, it's not just a couple's film. Can we talk about sex? <laughs> Baby. Because, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, yeah. no, I think that's the sex scenes are really <laughs> important to talk about. One of the things that I don't know if, if, if other people felt this was that when in there's a kind of virginity scene and there's a disappointment, the inevitable disappointment, and... <laughs> He says, Kyle says, you're going to have loads of unspecial sex in your life. 
That's so profound, and isn't it? Was it was so profound. But also, I, I don't know if anyone else felt this, but I sort of, I sort of saw this beginnings of the the gulf between male and female approaches to sex. Mm-hmm. The virginity is such a massive moment for her, and he doesn't seem to care about it. And he's lied. Yeah, and he's he? lied, and he's yeah. sort of. You know, immediately you see that from the beginning, the first time a woman has sex, this experience is going to be completely different. And we're seeing that reflected in a kind of completely extreme way in Hollywood now. But it's almost like a seed of that. I don't know if anybody else. But she doesn't say, no, you did tell me that you hadn't had sex before. No, but we know. Yeah, but I never, I sort of didn't really feel how to know how to feel at that point. Mm. You want her to not say, oh, we're still going to prom. You want her yeah. to like stand up and make this big declaration and storm out, but she doesn't. Because I think the reality is in those moments that all of us have had in some way, you don't. You no. just think, oh, okay, I'm supposed to still be the cool girl and say... I'm supposed to go along with this. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so Jake has had to abandon this double date. This is yep, I feel a bit insulted. Maybe I, it was something we I said. Guess we just weren't up to it. <laughs> we just weren't his time. He actually said he was going to the bathroom and then just slipped out of the window. <laughs> Disappeared. But he has actually just had to go off and do the interview. So we are he's, left. He's got a hot so day. So we're now commandeering this podcast for our own <laughs> benefits. <laughs> this is like when you're left alone at home for the first time. I actually have so, something else to add yeah. about the sex scene. And, you know, she gets a nosebleed. Yes. That's the second scene that Timothy Chalamet's been in. With nosebleeds. With a nosebleed, yeah. Oh, yeah. What do we think this symbolises? Is it the kind of virginity? Virginity, or sort of like your physical body letting you down. But this is a bad point for Jake to leave because he gets nosebleeds too. Doesn't and he, he could have talked about this, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's a very good observation, actually, because they're both very much about sexual awakening, both of those, yeah. Call Me By Your Name yeah. and Ladybird. And it does seem to be, yeah, there's a kind of motif in that and this mm-hmm. idea of... Yeah, at a kind of outward display of your inner self, self, and, yeah. and frustration, and all the kind of anxieties that you've had to go through in in this sexual awakening. Yeah, I feel like I could watch it again and again and again. I think it's going to become a bit of a classic, a teen. Cult I think classic. I could watch it. I've seen it twice. I think I could definitely sit down and watch it again and again. And people say, I don't know if you felt this in the second viewing, that you kind of notice things that you didn't notice the first time round. Yeah, I found. Because the thing is, I like to call myself a writer, but I sort of dabble. I mean, short stories are my my main thing. Mm -hmm. And to me, like my favourite part of writing a story is the collection of details in your everyday life, which I think Greta Gerwig does. And that's the sort of autobiographical stuff you you select. You just have to observe and you select the details that you sort of, you put them in your pocket and you think, that's a really good detail for this story that I want to make. And there's such a, in Ladybird, there's such a sort of pleasure in the details which I found like quite thrilling in a geeky way. Yeah, there's a lot of really keen observation. Yeah. She's really doing the best version of that write what you know mm-hmm. thing where it is obviously coming a lot of drawn from experience, yeah. but it's completely embellished and it's creative and it's very writerly and it's not literally what she knows as we've discussed. Yeah. It's not literally her life, but it is clearly influenced from a very authentic place and a a lot of experience because Chalamet's character you know the sort of pseudo profound back to Chalamet (laughs) and bringing it right back (laughs) always you know his sort of um paranoias that he comes out with I've heard Greta saying in an interview that like those are the things that she worries about that actually she's not Ladybird she's more of Kyle's like Mm. inner monologue the conspiracy conspiracy theories like worrying about what mobile phones are going to do to (laughs) us and the government the government didn't have to put tracking devices on them we bought them yeah 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 Yeah. Yeah. which is terrifyingly true it's so true yeah so one another thing I think it's really struck me about this film I watched it in a, a theatre that was largely full of of young women. Mm-hmm. And the, the response was incredible. There was laughter the entire way through. Lots of things that I'll admit maybe went a little bit over my head. <laughs> yeah, which is quite nice about it. That's actually. okay. Yeah. Very, very female. I think yeah. so. And I think that there were things that I could see in it that were familiar. There's a certain almost kind of lewdness to some of the jokes they make, the girls make to each other, mm-hmm. which made me think of... In, uh, it's less extreme than something like super bad but there was yeah. where there's a very boysy humor in that yeah. there was a very feminine humor in this but it wasn't it was the same kind of jokes about it's not like, girly girls can be dirty yeah, too yeah yeah but there was a certain naivety to the things that she they would come out yeah. and say to each other 
about you know the shower head and yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when they're when they're lying and talking about that and they're eating the communion um wafers yeah yeah with their legs sort of up, up as if they're in like stirrup you know there's a there's a kind of element to that yeah that... but it's also like it's what you do when you're like five years old with your friend you like lie on, on your bed with your legs up against the wall just like chatting yeah so there's a lovely naivety to it as well and you know self-discovery and discovery of the other and and it felt very much from a female perspective the definitely entire piece. yes I think the film does something quite interesting in terms of what is being called the female gaze, which is quite a disputed term and still really sort of coming out in its definition. It hasn't really been defined. Mm. But really, um, the argument that, you know, the, the focus on male protagonists has been such that moviegoers see the male patriarchal view as, as the real world, whereas putting Ladybird as the female protagonist, I mean, it allows that power to be disputed. And, and women to enjoy looking and not yeah, being looked at. Ladybird well. is the one who, we, we don't look at her. I mean, she's beautiful, but she is the one who looks. She is the gazer yeah. of that gaze. I mean, with um the two love interests, I'm particularly thinking about the scene where she's gone to see um, L'Enfance Nou, <laughs> their gig, yeah. and um, the camera sort of hones in on Carl's face. And you can, you are Ladybird's eyes at that moment, and she's thinking like, Fwoch. Yeah, it's all dreamy-eyed, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and then it goes back to her, and you can literally see her desiring him. Yeah. Which I think is lovely. And then pursuing him as well. Yeah. And he is the love interest, and she becomes what and she, she And he's interested, yeah. and he's he doesn't go for... Um, jenna the the like typically more sort of mean girly type yeah. character he's interested in her and there's the great moment where she t comes of age and she goes and she buys the playgirl yeah. and there's that great framing like this is the female gaze i am gazing upon the men like i am not to be gazed upon yeah which is of course like a subversion of the classic scene where you see the boys go into yeah. the supermarket and buy the playboy yeah and it just flips that on its head and does what we're saying about it's just doesn't matter who you are or if you're a teenager, you have these thoughts yeah. and you lust after things and you talk in lewd and crass ways sometimes. And and I also think there's an element of precociousness to her that I feel like is a real theme coming out in TV and films yeah. at the moment. These kind of kids that know or think they know more than they do. And I think especially with teenage girls, she's got this real confidence that we all wish we had. And she kind of boldly goes into the corner shop and buys a, is it like a lottery ticket, cigarettes and a... Playgirl, yeah. Oh, yeah, a right. playgirl, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and she's just like, "This is me. This is what I'm doing." You know, it's almost as if you look back at your teenage years and think, "I wish I'd been a bit more like." Because I definitely wasn't like no. that. <laughs> not as and bold as that. Yeah. Greta Gerwig has said that she was not. She was not Ladybird. No, she I was, was riddled with angst. <laughs> <laughs> Still am. Yeah. <laughs> to be completely honest, but she said she was much more, you know, rule following and gold star attaining and which I think is nice because she's sort of written, not an alter ego, but just explored what that sort of adolescence is like from a different perspective. Yeah. So just to end our discussion on Ladybird, is there a particular moment in the film that really stuck with you, that really resonated? For me, it was more some of the lines, like the one-liners that she would come out with, but I don't even know if we're allowed to say I mean, you know, after she loses her virginity and she says, you know, I've sort of decided that I much prefer dry humping. <laughs> yeah, so it's just so great. I, um, my favourite bit was, um, and again, without giving anything or too much away, not that there's that much you can give away about this film, but when there's a sort of moment at the end when it all starts to wrap up and her mum is, again, there's driving, her mum's driving, um, and you're sort of on the edge of your seat wondering if where she's going to go. Is yeah. she going to go this way or that way? Is she going to do the right thing or the wrong thing or what we want her to do? And you're kind of seeing from both points of view. And I feel like there's that classic airport scene where do you catch up with the person or not? Yeah. And it kind of, I was so tense. I felt like I was like gripping my seat, which is which is a nice feeling for a film that's so kind of quiet and, and slow. Actually, but it was also great that it was an anticlimax because life is full of anticlimaxes and mm. you never see them in film. My favourite moment is probably when, um, it's like a slight spoiler territory, but when Tracy lets, as, as Lady Bird's dad, goes for a job interview 
And then on coming out of the job interview, bumps into his own son. Miguel. Going yeah. for the same job interview. Yeah. For the exact same job. And there's just this moment in Tracy Letts' character's eyes when he, he, you know, he says go for it and he says good luck to his son. And you know that he's prepared to, to have nothing and to sacrifice everything yeah. for his kids. And it really, really stuck with me. That's that a very, yeah, very touching moment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I we have a particular soft spot for Tracy Letts because, you know, we make T-shirts. We're girls on tops. And... Um, Tracy Letts wore our Greta Gerwig t-shirt to Toronto, the film festival. And so I have a, well, Jake and I have a special place in our hearts for Tracy. He's a good guy. He was right by Greta when he did it, right? Yeah, and there's an amazing photo. With his blazer wide open. Yeah. And there, I think there's, (laughs) I think, um, there's a clip on YouTube where he's um, in an interview with Greta. I think it's Greta, Laurie Metcalf and Metcalf and um, Tracy Letts. And, she's like yeah read the t-shirt and he points at the t-shirt um oh man yeah it's well, lovely we're wearing our greta t-shirts right now yes Obviously. special yeah. ladybird edition we have collaborated very excitedly with little white lies for ladybird and it's a beautifully um illustrated edition of our classic and that's available on our etsy which is um girls on tops tees who did the illustration for it sophie mo you can find her on Instagram. She's great. Instagram. Yeah, cool. really great. So Lady Bird, which we've just talked about, is out on the 16th of February on a platform release at Curzon Soho and Curzon Bloomsbury and some other cinemas in the West End. And then on the 23rd of February, it goes on a general release around the rest of the country. And we would all thoroughly recommend that you mm-hmm. check this one out. Also out this week on Curzon Home Cinema is Sally Potter's film The Party. And Louis, I believe that you are a big fan of The Party. Very, very good. It's a, a real joy. If you like short, snappy, black and white, great characters, um, great dialogue, I recommend. 10 out of 10 would recommend. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Also on Curzon Home Cinema from Friday the 16th of February, you can watch a live recording of our Q&A with Greta Gerwig, which was held at the Lady Bird premiere at Curzon Mayfair. Uh, If you head over to Curzon Home Cinema, you can watch that completely free. And if you've got any thoughts on Lady Bird, please do let us know. Um, email us at podcast at curzon.com. And all of our favorite comments we will read out live on air next week. Because we next... could talk about this film all day. I we think. could go on and on, on and on. And, on and on. we need your help to keep talking about yes. this film. Keep the conversation going. Podcast is available on iTunes and Acast. Please subscribe. Please leave a review. And please do comment and let us know what you think. And, and all that remains to say is goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. And goodbye from Jake. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.